Dear passengers, welcome on board. You're listening to Movies for Airplanes, a flying film festival podcast. This flight will take you to the country of documentary and animation short films. Today we have the pleasure to fly along with Toby Bull, director of Some Kind of Intimacy. Set in the British countryside, Some Kind of Intimacy observes a flock of sheep grazing on the land where the director's parents were buried several years ago. Through the silent interaction with the animals and a phone call with his brother, Toby Bull gives us a different perspective on longing and grief. This documentary has been screened on Swiss Airlines Long Haul Flights in our festival's fourth edition. As we take off, please adjust the volume of your headphones and enjoy your flight. My name's Toby Bull. Uh, I guess I'm a director. Uh, you know, I think like lots of documentary filmmakers, I often practice all parts of the craft. My way to film was like quite circuitous. In my mid-twenties, I'd been doing a pretty bad job of trying to become a writer. I'd been like writing reviews of books and of films. And um, I saw a documentary called uh, The Look of Silence, filmed by Joshua Oppenheimer. And I, I was kind of floored by it. Just the, the way of being in a person's life that that film promised really spoke to me. There was a sense that making art that necessarily involved other people, that it was impossible to make documentaries without um, being intimately involved in another person's life, whether that was a participant, a collaborator, um, that there was something about my experience of the world that made it very, very, very hard for me to be a writer, to work totally alone. Being alone with artistic production didn't work for me, but being close to others, being drawn to others, in the course of making art, that, that was the thing that kind of electrified me. The, the kind of, the way that the film came into being was that my brother and I had visited that graveyard every year for many years. And that particular year, um, we had, it been difficult, there was a lot going on. My grandmother had died. Um, she was one of the last remaining relatives, really. And, we had this terrible argument on the way over to the graveyard. Um, I was driving with just a stupid family argument. And um, I think I had like been shouting and screaming and then I'd stormed off to the corner of the graveyard while my brother stayed on the other side with our parents' grave. And as I arrived, I was like confronted all of a sudden with this cow stood in the farm next door that was like looking into the graveyard and in the, in the weeks that followed, I was very depressed at the time. I could hardly leave the house. And it was just playing in the back of my head, like I was wondering about this cow that had, had given me something in that moment. I wondered if that cow might know something or see something or understand something about human grief. So I contacted the grave digger. I went back um, a couple of weeks later intending to film with that cow. But the cows were gone. Uh, but instead, was it was pointed out to me that um, the sheep were now put back in the graveyard. And so as I arrived, it was lambing season. All of the sheep were walking around with new life inside them. And um, I was very struck that um, they were another animal perspective. I'm sure I could learn from them about grief. Um, but also they were carrying new life. They were having sex with one another. I felt like the whole dance of like life and death and decay 
was there. Um, uh, and so that's sort of where the film started, really. When I was setting off, actually, my plan was to make a film that was like rigorously observational in its form from the perspective of the sheep. And maybe like I would appear at some point to like be at the grave or have a chat with my brother, but like you wouldn't necessarily know that I was the filmmaker. My editor Izzy was drawn to moments in the footage where it felt as though I was overwhelmed, where I was losing control, where my intention as a director was being usurped by the animals, by my body, by something bigger than, than my intention as a director. And when I saw Izzy, I think he just said to me, look, even if it's as simple as like one off the cuff chat behind the camera between you and someone on camera, it would be really useful for an editor to have an artful way of communicating to an audience that your parents are buried in this space. It's a bit of a hallmark, I think, of Izzy, the way that he works. Lots of his, the works he edited, edits, I think he's often advocating for the filmmaker to allow themselves to be known within the film. I think it's very important for him as an editor and a writer to have a sense in a film of like who it is who is holding the camera. Hi there. I'm in Shropshire. In Shropshire? Yeah. Uh, doing all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, Good. It's been, um, I've just been waiting by the grave for the sheep to come a little closer. I think intimacy is so different from closeness. To take the example of like a therapeutic relationship, a very unique form of of intimacy is possible precisely because of the, the distance and the boundaries of that container. I think people think about boundaries often as a protective measure, but I think if you make documentaries, if you, if, you, if you go into therapy, you see that actually the boundaries that you build around a relationship can be very creative of a different kind of intensity. You can be in a person's life more intensely because there are boundaries about what form that relationship takes. My brother and I ha had had that argument. We hadn't spoken since that argument. And when I was in the field, it was my birthday soon. I was very unhappy. I was very lonely. I was hating filming in the graveyard. It was so frustrating and like there's not one to talk to. And my brother called me in that moment. And I was so relieved that he was calling me. It really felt like being there meant that I was open to receiving my brother's call as an opportunity to escape that loneliness and frustration. And I just left the camera rolling. Um, in terms of editing, as it started to feature in the film more, I then spoke to my brother. He hadn't known that I had recorded that call because it was kind of accidental. I asked him whether he would be okay with it being included. Uh, he was okay with it being included as long as it wasn't like the main focus. And at that point we thought it wasn't the main focus. Um, and then as it got tighter and tighter, there was a realization that maybe a second phone call would be good. Uh, we did the second phone call. And then as I say, we started cutting it down and cutting it down until we realized that we could take this like two hour long phone call that we did uh, not in the graveyard, six months after the edit began, and this sort of chance phone call that happened in the graveyard and put them together into one seamless conversation. And then it kind of became the film that it is. 
I've been developing and making my first feature um, film whose working title is Reevaluation. Um, my parents left me extensive videotapes, diaries, documents of their lives together and their involvement in a kind of secretive and controversial um, group therapy movement called Reevaluation Counseling or Co-Counseling just sort of born on the west coast of the USA, around the same time as Scientology. It was the guy who kind of developed it out of the kind of pop psychology of Scientology. Um, my parents were very involved in uh, popularizing it over here, promoting it, teaching it. And so the film sort of follows me trying to find some of the people who were involved in their lives um, at that point, as well as my life as a child, in order to try and use its methods, as well as the methods of documentary filmmaking, to try and finally piece together like what it might have been like for me to be a child and to lose my mum and dad, and hopefully, finally, I guess, to, in getting closer to those feelings, find a way as an adult to kind of place them inside me, hold them inside me, and I guess feel connected to both the pain of those years and like how now as an adult I can house it. It might involve some sheep footage, it might not, don't know yet. You've been listening to Movies for Airplanes, a Flying Film Festival podcast. We'd like to thank Toby Bull for being with us. If you missed some kind of intimacy, check it out on the Flying Film Festival's Facebook and Instagram pages. This podcast was brought to you by Swiss Airlines. Every two years, Swiss Airlines Long Haul Flights host the Flying Film Festival, a documentary and animation short film competition. The voice you're hearing is Andy Joe, author and sound producer of this podcast. You can now unbuckle your seatbelts and we hope you'll fly with us again.